Recently, Supreme Master Ching Hai graciously allowed our association members to gather for an international seminar. It was a joyous occasion as Master and disciples reunited to meditate and pray for peace. During her visit to meet with our association members, Supreme Master Ching Kai also spoke of the teachings of past masters and answered the spiritual questions of fellow initiates. Throughout the ages, compassionate and enlightened masters have urged people to surrender to the greater universal power by seeking the divine within, from which all other goodness and happiness follow. This message was echoed again in a Taoist tale about longevity, which Supreme Master Ching Hai shared with our association members during the international gathering on December the 18th, 2008. All right, your mama is here. <laughs> How's everything? Good? Okay. How are you? Good, thank you, Master. Still working as a doctor, yeah? Yes. You did not retire yet? No, no I'm yeah. working full-time now. <laughs> How come? Uh, the kids are about to go to college and that sort of thing. So. They are growing up, eh? You don't look any older. <laughs> Say hello, Hamid. Hello to everybody. Hello. <laughs> this is him with the blue eyes. Yeah. Hey, that's good boy. Good boy. Okay, keep my feet warm then. Thank you. <laughs> mm. This is for the people, you know. You love. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enjoy Hamid. <laughs> he's a very shy one. Normally, if he's goody, happy, they would jump all over, but this guy, he just stick around me. Huh? Go say hello now, good boy. Okay. Oh, you like her, huh? Uh. <laughs> It's cool. It's good. You learn to be friendly, which is good. Now, we are reading some of the Taoist tale. Zhang Bo-tun was very interested in Buddhism and Taoism. Even when he was a child, he read any book he could get. But his favorite texts were those on meditation and the art of longevity. He's not attracted to governmental office or any of those uh, that uh, making money, like business or any position in society. So now he went to a mountain called Tian Tai Mountain to study meditation with a Buddhist monk instead. When he was about 60 years old, Chang Bo-tun met a Taoist from Sichuan by the name of uh, Liu Hai Zhang. 
and began to practice the Taoist techniques of cultivating body and mind. Oh, just like you guys sitting here cultivating body and mind. <laughs> we keep reading it first, huh? And then we can try to expound it later. Bhutan had a friend who was a Zen Buddhist. The two men often met to meditate together and discuss Buddhist and Taoist philosophy. One day, the friend, whose Buddhist name was Huiting, went to Poton retreat and said to him, Oh, I have mastered the technique of spirit travel. You know what that means, right? Astral projection, huh? Okay, i explain later. So, I have mastered the technique of spirit travel. When I enter meditative stillness, I can send my spirit anywhere I want. Ah, that's different. I'm you know, all excited, I want to tell already. Bolton proposed, Okay, shall we travel somewhere together today? <laughs> and waiting said, My pleasure. So ask Boton to waiting. Where shall we go then? And uh, his friend said, "Oh, we can go to the gardens in Yang County if you like, because I have heard that the flowers there are very beautiful, and they bloom, you know, in full this time of the year." So they both sit on their meditation cushions or meditation chairs, the way you do, close their eyes and send their spirits to the flower gardens of Yang County. When Poton arrived, he found his friend already sitting on a bench. Quitting, told Poton, I've already walked around the garden three times and you just came? <laughs> so Poton only said, Why don't we each take a flower back as a souvenir? So waiting, nodded. Then the friends walked through the garden and each plucked a flower. Back in Porton's uh, place, the two men opened their eyes again and stretched their legs. Porton asked his friend, Where is your flower? So waiting, could not find it. So Bolton then reached into his sleeve and brought out a beautiful chrysanthemum. At first, Huiting was disappointed, but then he laughed and said to Bolton, Ah, I'm glad that you were able to bring back a flower. At least one of us did. So Bolton gave the flower to his friend and said to him, I know you appreciate flowers very much. Take this one home in memory of the good time we had today. Later, when Huiting had left, Bolton's student asked him, Why couldn't Huiting bring back a flower just like you did? So Bolton replied to his students, saying that Huiting cultivated his mind only. Therefore, when he entered stillness, he could liberate only his spirit. As a result, 
the entire journey was in his mind only. On the other hand, I cultivate both mind and body. So when my spirit travels, it can take on corporal form and influence reality. That's why I could bring back a flower and he could not. When Chang Boton was about to enter the spiritual realm, he called his students together and said, After I have gone, you should cremate my body. At 99 years of age, he sent his spirit into the immortal realm. After the student cremated his body, they found among the ashes thousands of tiny fragments of bones that glow with a golden hue. This is what the Buddhists call relic, huh? This is a master who lived between uh, 960 and 1270 CE. He's one of the greatest exponents of the Southern Complete Reality School <laughs> and is the author of the famous internal alchemical classic. Pian mean understanding the reality. Anybody travel like that recently? How about that? Any of you cultivated this? No? Hmm. It is an art that has been lost. Maybe some people still can do that, yeah, but some cannot. Remember the master of Yogananda? Hmm after he went to the astral world to be a teacher there. Not that his level is astral level, but he's appointed as a teacher in astral level after he has left this physical one. So he come back to life in the flesh to give Yogananda a touch. <laughs> and he was very happy. But I told you also that astral being can always manifest themselves in the flesh even, and come back to this world for a while, yeah? There were different times for different levels of being who can manifest themselves into this physical world. Depends from which level you come from, you can stay how long, how long. And also depends on how meritorious you are, even as astral beings. There are those who have a lot of merit, there are beings who have not too many. Even just a normal ghost, you know, some of them have more power than others. The one who has more power can manifest himself truly in the physical body and can even throw tantrum. If you go into his haunted house, <laughs> yeah, he sometimes throws cups on the floor and breaking mirrors and all that stuff to scare you and tell you to get out, you know. Sometimes tickle your toes. <laughs> uh, they're kind of possessive, you know. They think that house belongs to them. That's why they don't want to get out. And anybody who come in, they think they invaded their house. Until they are free from the ghost existence, they will continue to believe that they are living in the physical body even. 
Now, let's check it out. So, this man has not been interested at all in worldly position as well as gain. So, he went to study uh, both with the Taoist and the Buddhist. He has been studying with a Buddhist monk. Okay, so at that time, the Buddhist monk uh, that he studied with obviously has transcendental power. That's why he could uh, meditate and leave his body and go in the spirit, yeah? And later, at 60 years old, he met a Taoist from Sichuan, Liu Haizhang. And then he practiced the technique of cultivating body and mind as well. The soul, he can cultivate with a Buddhist monk, but the body and the mind, he probably cultivated with this Taoist. Therefore, he could leave his body in some places, and then he travel in other places, and then even take also his uh, material cells with him, <laughs> so that over there he can actually pluck the flowers, you know, physically. He doesn't have to take the whole body. That's why his student probably still can see him sitting there or in his room or whatever. I think there are one or two people in the world still can do that. Maybe in China and Russia. Surprised? <laughs> yeah. In Russia, there is a lady who is not eating anything at all right now. Not eating, not drinking. Sometimes... We expect, you know, like uh, some phenomenal person would live maybe in India or Tibet or something, you know, but it's not always, <laughs> it's not always, yeah? Uh, we expect enlightened master live in some temple, yeah? Or some uh, saintly person, a saintly priest live in church. Now, for a person who is not interested in fame, and gain in this world, he's already half-saint, I think. I mean, truly not interested and not lazy, you know. <laughs> it's different. And it's not only uninterested in the material gain, but there's another aspect to it. Like this person, why not interested in money and gain, you know? For what reason, okay? He's not just like, okay, he's lazy, he don't want to earn money, or he doesn't know how to count money, so he's not interested. Or maybe he has too much money, like inheritance, yeah, from parents, so he doesn't care. The reason you forsake money or fame is important. It's not the action alone, yeah? Yeah, if you just forsake the money and uh, name and just don't do nothing with your life, then it is a waste of a life, yeah? You waste the food of the world, especially in this time of food shortage, yeah? So, this guy, why he was uninterested? Tell me. He had something better. Like what? His meditation practice. At that time, not yet. He forsake, you know, worldly gain and fame to have time to go and study with masters in different school. So he went to study with the Buddhist monk, 
who obviously was enlightened because he stayed with him until he's 60 years old. And then he met the Taoist who also teach him another thing, yeah, body and mind. Because as you know, the Chinese people, most of them in the old time are Buddhist. And at one time, Buddhist was the Chinese kind of national religion, yeah? Nowadays, many countries still have national religion, huh? Like in Arabian countries, they have Islam. Hmm? In the Western countries, they have Christianity. Baha'i, of course, Baha'i is a universal. <laughs> you know, that when the Masters was alive, you know, is comprised of all kinds of religion, just like what we are now, whoever you are, you come, yeah? Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Muslim, whatever, we don't discriminate, yeah? The real Master never discriminate. So Baha'ism was like that, because the Master was enlightened. The Baha'is Master was enlightened. Therefore, the teaching of his is just universal. It's just like any real master teaching. The same with the true Islam, you know, true Christian, or true Buddhist, true Hinduism. Any religion believes that God is loving and kind, right? That's why they always pray to him, help me, grace me, bless me, protect me. Yeah? If a person who is not kind <laughs> and loving... How he protect you? How would he care yeah, to bless you? How would he care to grace your life or anything? So even if any religious scripture or the religious believer doesn't say that God is love even, but it implied yeah, that God is a loving person, yeah, very protective, very kind. That's why we pray to him <laughs> or her. Because if it's not kind, how you care to pray to them? If a person or a being is not loving, how would you even think to pray to that being, right? So God, obviously, is love. So how can a person who embodies love teach anyone to kill anyone else? It's also his children, or even encourage that, or even tolerate it, or even bear it. We were in heaven <laughs> talking about God, huh? Let's go back to earth again. <laughs> now, the Zen Buddhist friend of his, Poiting, also has the ability to free himself from the body. Do you remember reading the story about Kabir? Kabir, after he died, he seemed to take his body with him too because the Hindu and the Muslim were fighting with each other, saying, whose denomination the master should belong to and must belong to. And they fight over his body. They believe he's Muslim because he teaches also Muslim teaching, maybe referring to a Muslim teacher of the past when he have a Muslim disciple, yeah? And when the Hindu um, disciple come, then he talk about Hinduism and the past master and Vishnu and Brahma and all that. <laughs> or maybe celebrate also with the Hindu in the Hindu way. And when he is with the Muslim, then he celebrate with the Muslim in the Muslim way. So both believed <laughs> that he belong to them alone. 
is possible. <laughs> so after Kabir die, Muslim and Hindu fight with each other who will take the body to where. <laughs> so then uh, after discussion for a long time, the body is still laying in the coffin waiting until next morning when they decided both to come there to debate about who would take the coffin home, <laughs> you know, the master body. And then they open the coffin, they see nothing in there. He only saw one rose in the coffin. The body is gone, just one rose. The symbol of love, eh? unification. Love is only one. There's no Muslim, there's no Hindu. The Master wanted to leave the message like that. It could be that the Master took his body with him. It could be that some wise, very enlightened disciples had taken the body with him while everybody was debating <laughs> and not looking. <laughs> so he just take it away, worrying that the Muslim or the Hindu or both they would chop his master's body into two parts. <laughs> After all, and decided, okay, you the left, I the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that would be disaster. Huh? It would be terrible. Because it's not like the Muslim or the Hindu have enmity with each other. But it could be that they can be in the conflict, you know? They could even chop a master body into two, uh, divide it in two halves so that each one take one, end the discussion. <laughs> that is one thing, because maybe not all of the master have been highly enlightened, you see? In any spiritual practicing group, there are some are highly elevated spiritually, some are still nowhere. And mostly the ones who are not very enlightened are the loudest mouth. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> I know everything. Master would want this. Master is mine. Because if you are truly enlightened, you don't have this kind of attitude. Yeah? You don't. You just do what the Master said anyway. It's not that if you are initiated by even the highest master, you will be immediately all enlightened. Even if you are all enlightened at the time of initiation, you will lose somehow some degree of it as the time goes by because life takes over again after you get out of the meditation room. Your ego control again, you know. Any moment you forget God, any moment you forget your real self, the ego come in and pose himself as you and make trouble for you and tell you all kind of things because you have a lot of habit which you love to keep. Yes. Even just to put out a piece of meat is very troublesome for many people because many people, any age, not just now, understood the Master teaching. But they don't practice because they cannot leave that meat alone. They cannot leave alcohol, they cannot leave cigarette, for example, like that. And above all, they cannot leave their ego. They think they know their, everything there is to know already, for example, and that they are a very, very good, devout <laughs> disciple of God. 
Uh, they go to the temple, they go to church, they think that's enough. So many reasons why people who come to the lecture agree with the Master but will not follow. Hmm? Most of the time is the eating habit, you know. To satisfy the palate, we do many things. We even kill, yeah? Mostly just for food, for security of material comfort. And food is very important to many people. They do anything for it. That is the problem. Ego is the worst enemy of humankind. Luckily, the animals, mostly they don't have it. Most animals don't have it. Even the vicious animals, they don't have ego. They just have, you know, that kind of animal instinct. They do what they do, that's it. But they don't have ego. If you see two males, animals, fighting with each other, mostly it's just in season, you know, <laughs> because of the heat, that's it. But they're not really trying to prove anything. <laughs> but in a group, of course, sometimes they had to fight to know who's the strongest, and then they elect as the president of the animal group. <laughs> and that's it, you know, and they take care of each other. They don't make uh, their pack member go out and earn money and pay taxes for them <laughs> or build a good house for them or anything like that. They do take care of their pack member. Hmm? They have one leader and everybody listens to that leader. So, for example, a pack of wolf, huh? you see, there's one alpha. And if the omega would try to go near while he has not finished his meal or is not allowed, then he growls at him. But that's about it, you know, and the omega knows, just duck away <laughs> and not making much trouble. Mm. Because in a pack, like even the dog or wolf, the leader eats first. It is the rule like that. And then afterward, all members eat, also according to rank. <laughs> the thing is, they also organize themselves. Like dogs, you know, for example, why the leader has to eat first? So that he has the strength and ready to take care of the whole group whenever necessary. If any of the members die, of course they will be sad, yeah, they will be very sorrowful. But if a leader die, then nobody lead the pack. Protect the pack and lead the pack. The pack leader must be strong, intelligent, and dedicated. Therefore, when they chose a leader, they, of course, take care of the leader, mm, privilege. It makes sense, no? For example, if they are eating and then suddenly there are some danger come, yeah, and the leader is already full yeah, and strong, so he can lead the pack quickly out of there, yeah? and he's strong because he has been eaten and fed and well. But even if the member of the group has not been Filled yet, they still can follow the leader first and maybe eat somewhere else later. But if the leader is weak, starved, hungry, and then therefore his mind also not alert enough, then he cannot lead the pack out of danger, yeah, and take care of them. Therefore, in the animal kingdom, everything is logical. It's not ego at all. It's not about ego. It's a logic and the survival necessity. This research just show you that animals are really intelligent, very well organized, and very cooperative with each other.
if we human can do that at all time, then we will have no trouble at all. But in our human society, it's not always that good, is it? Even if you elect a president, you don't always give him all the respect and all the cooperation necessary. That is a sad thing. Even if the president is of the opposite party, you know, we should give him respect and cooperative, eh? and also feedback and all that, help him. Not always agreeing to everything, but at least give him respect and power to work and authorization. Due respect, at least. It has nothing to do with politics even. You should treat another human with respect. Mm-hmm. So being a group leader of human is not as good as being a leader of a wolf pack or a dog pack or even a bird because they respect their leaders and they work together. You see, when the birds fly together, they coordinate, you know? They fly in uh, formation as to benefit the whole group, yeah? They are really scientific-minded and very, very coordinate with each other for the whole group's survival. In a human group, <laughs> this is difficult, yeah? Everybody wants to be a leader, <laughs> but nobody wants to be led. Even if you don't know how to lead, you also want to be a leader. <laughs> leader is top. Just want to be at the top, that's it. Yes. But birds, you know, they really cooperate so that they can survive together. Yeah? The pack always go together and always in order. And uh, this is something that we humans must also learn a little bit from the animal. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the Zen Buddhist monk. Maybe he's not monk, he's just a person. He studied Zen Buddhism and he probably meditated a lot. So he went there to see his friend who is now also uh, probably uh, practicing Taoist uh, way of life. Yeah. Either way, is okay. Taoist or Buddhist. As long as you practice well, then you can free your spirit from the shackle of this physical uh, prison. <laughs> and then you can go anywhere you want. You could go to heaven, of course. Yes? That we would prefer. I would prefer. Eh? Then spending time and go to a garden and pluck the flower and come back <laughs> to show that you've been there. It's also fun, perhaps. But would you exchange that for going to heaven? These kind are astral magical power. You practice well, you can do that. Yes. You can walk on water, yes. You can disappear into the wall and come out the other end <laughs> again. You can do all kind of things. Yes. Mm. But uh, it's not necessary. Yes, to have those in order to be liberated in one lifetime or to go to a higher level. To go to the higher level, in fact, we have to forsake all this. Otherwise, we enjoy it too much. You know, we like it so much freedom in the physical realm. It feels fun, you know? Imagine, sit here and just suddenly disappear into the ground and gone out to somewhere else, uh, you know, a few minutes later, 
scaring everybody, you know, and then suddenly come back again, just appear from nowhere, huh? or flying in the air, or, you know, uh, changing yourself into a cat or dog or whatever shape. Eh? So a Zen Buddhist who has practiced obviously many long years in order to disappear and go to the garden far away, yes, so now one has mastered the art of going there, so he went so fast uh, that the second person uh, lagged a little bit behind. He said, I already walked around the garden three times. That is another piece of ego cheesecake. Yes. <laughs> In the beginning, he already demonstrates some ego. He come to see his friend. Yeah and to discuss Buddhism and Taoism. Instead, he said, you know, I have mastered the art of astral projection. That's what we call it now in the modern time. Astral projection means you can go in your astral body, yeah, and go somewhere else and come back. Immediately he boasted like that to his friend, thinking that the other one cannot do it. Ah, he couldn't imagine his friend also can. So they both agreed to go, fine. And then over there, he demonstrated his ego again. He didn't even wait for his friend. He went so fast. Not only he sat there already, he has to tell him that he has walked around the garden three times. Oh, what for saying that? One time would be enough, don't you think? <laughs> now, this guy, he went three times. For what reason? So, first of all, he went to show up in the temple yeah, to see his friend. Not genuinely come to see a friend because you miss him, but come to show up his achievement yeah, of astral projection. And then now, since his friend also knows the art of traveling in spirit, he feels a little bit put off. So he has to use all his mind to run fast. <laughs> and in the garden, run three times again, so that at least he is something better. The first one, a Poton, was just uh, sitting in his temple, teaching his disciple, and minding his own business. <laughs> right? <laughs> he didn't even... Uh, call his friend uh, by phone or email him, tell him, please come here <laughs> and let's go to a garden together. He probably did not say anything yet until his friend asked him, you know, I can, can you? Then he said, okay, I can. And what for you see the flowers? Huh? <laughs> now I don't even want to pluck any flowers. I don't even want to pluck vegetable. I don't want to pluck anything at all. Because, uh, number one, you know, you don't need to do that. You let them live, yeah? Number two, you're not interested. <laughs> Even if you say, okay, Master, there are new flower garden, you know, with more flowers, variety that we have never seen before, and tell me to go, I also don't bother to go. Hmm? Okay, the first one won't come to show off. I can uh, travel in spirit. Since the, the friend also can, he feel a little bit uh, disappointed, so he has to run around the garden three times to show that, okay, I'm better. I'm, I arrive first anyway. 
probably the other Zen monk, oh, never mind, you know. You go to garden, why hurry, you know. <laughs> the Zen monk can pluck the flower truly and take it home, and the other guys cannot. <laughs> so who has the last laugh? Huh? <laughs> the Buddhist Taoist monk. <laughs> Look at the two of them <laughs> competing in magical power. Such a children play like that. After he said to him that I have walked around the garden three times, Bolton said to his friend, Okay, why don't we pluck some flowers to bring home? Because he knows. The first guy wants to show his speed, <laughs> waiting, you know, the one who went first to uh, the garden. So the Buddhist Taoist uh, Poton knows the other guys cannot pluck the flower and bring home. So he said, why don't we pluck the flowers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, both want to show who's the best. And, of course, the Buddhist Taoist had the last laugh then. But what for? They are very funny. He knows it immediately. Therefore, after they arrived back at the Poton's quarter, the Buddhist Taoist quarter immediately asked the Buddhist, where is your flower? <laughs> you can smell the E. <laughs> the E that did not go yet. <laughs> <laughs> the E that still go around and stick to the person. <laughs> so, so of course he knew already that the the Zen Buddhist cannot find it, yeah, because he knew already that he's only trouble in the mind, but not in the physical dimension as well, not the physical cells as well. So I said, "Where's your flower?" Where is my flower? I don't have. <laughs> so, of course, now he can laugh. And he took out from his sleeve a beautiful chrysanthemum from that garden and presented it to his friend. Nicely and politely even. Yeah. I know you love flowers. So take this home for a souvenir. <laughs> you see, they both are similar. Huh? When his friend told him that he has been here long ago and walked around the garden three times already, uh, the Poton or the Buddhist Taoist also doesn't say anything, you know. doesn't even say, oh, you are better than me. Oh, okay, I haven't mastered anything. And the same but when the Bolton showed the flower, he also didn't say anything. Oh, you are really good, and I have to learn that. And No. <laughs> Both of them keep quiet. Just try to do another trick to get even. Take this home as a memory of our good time today. <laughs> How can a man who, who has ego so much still feel that it was a good time <laughs> when he cannot take back a flower, and now he has to take home the evidence of his loser <laughs> position. <laughs> Imagine, practice spiritual and still like that. Hmm? Sarcasm, <laughs> competitiveness, but nevertheless, this story is a very interesting story.
to let you know that there are such things, yeah, that you can even overcome gravity, overcome the physical laws in this world to be something else, to be free. At least go to some garden and pluck a flower. That's already very good, right? How many people can do that? Hmm? Not to talk about that we go up to a higher realm, you know, in a spiritual dimension. That's even harder, of course. So later, of course, he uh, explained Bhutan, you know, in all splendor, you know. Mm. Of course, his student would ask, you know, <laughs> and of course, he would be too happy to answer. So he was just too happy to answer, but casually, you know, like, Oh, we think he couldn't do it because he only cultivated his mind. <laughs> oh, and the student, of course, oh, ah, yeah, has the opportunity to praise his master. And of course, he enjoyed that very much, Potun. Because even in those times, maybe even more so in those times, if anyone who mastered the art of this, uh, astral projection, you know, going through long distance in no time and come back without any transportation needed. That is somebody to be revered, even like God, or at least uh, the immortal, they call him, yeah, the great uh, master. So even then, already something very, very uh, phenomenal. But the master beated him won over the battle. Then, of course, the student will, will feel much more awed. So, Bolton has mastered the arts to travel with the spirit as well as the corporal form, yeah, to go together. So it's a little different, eh? Some people can also uh, travel very fast with the body, you know, uh, they just uh, step in on blade of grass or in on air or any little thing, such so as to travel very fast, like flying, yeah, almost. Maybe that's why he's a little bit slower, because he takes his corporal form, therefore he's slower than the other guy. But when he died, he could not take his body with him, you know, because when he's about to shed his body, and enter immortal abode. He called his students and said that after I die, you should cremate my body. So after all, he couldn't take his body with him. If he could take his body to the garden, why don't you just take it anywhere else? <laughs> Has to cremate the body. But after they cremated his body, they found many relics, you know, Buddhism. Uh, it's very important that you die, you leave some relics behind. A legend, you know, like Buddha, when he died, he left a lot of relics. Relics is something left over from your body, which uh, look like jewel, like pearl or shining, or, or some uh, golden color. So we see here that even the master cannot take his body with him. Maybe one of the highest disciples understood the problem, so he took his body away and let him rest in peace somewhere else. Yeah? Because when the Master was alive, he teach peace, right? And harmony between 
religions and even between men. So why should he, at the stage of nirvana, has to witness such a fight yeah, in front of his coffin? Imagine how illogical yeah, and how defaming for the master. So you can tell that even you follow a master, but if you are not enlightened enough, then you also do a blunderous thing, right? So don't be like those. And if you have magical power, don't bother competing. I say to you, stay away from it, so that we can transcend and go to a higher realm, okay? The master who could take his body to the flower garden could not take it to where? Heaven. That's it. (laughs) So in order to practice true longevity, we have to enter eternal life, not this kind of live a little longer. Because he practiced here, he went to uh, cultivate uh, meditation and the art of longevity. He was interested in it. So he studied with the Buddhists and the Taoists, both. But he died, like everybody else, at the age of 99. That's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Japan, they have a lot of women who practice nothing and live over a hundred years. Now, many uh, men and women, they live over one hundred, you know? Bienvenido. Muchas. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. Mexico, Bangkok. <laughs> gentle Canadian. <laughs> Very gentle. Everywhere is the same. Same, same, same. Vietnamese, welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming. Always here. Tell you some story, okay? Yes. This is from Tao Te Ching. The Taoist Bible. <laughs> this is one of the uh, essays in the Tao It's a Taoism. The real Taoism. Yes. The Tao, when, when uh, Master Lao Tzu is still alive, he wrote on himself. Wow. Supposed to directly from the Master. Hmm? Yeah. Because one of his uh, devotees, you know, <laughs> he's an official of the court. Yeah, he admired him so much, so he invited him to his small palace. 
and uh, invite him there and, and he beg him to leave him something, yeah, so that he knows how to practice later. Because we need two kind of uh, knowledge, you know? One is inner knowledge and one is outside knowledge about the Tao, yes. Not because of uh, worldly knowledge, but even, you know, uh, practicing spiritual knowledge, we need a little bit of theory, yes. Therefore, the Master had to speak sometimes, and we have some little regulation like the five precepts, yeah? Like no killing, no stealing, no lying, no messing up with a sexual relation, and uh, no intoxicants, yeah, for example, like that. And the Master gives discourses to satisfy the mind. Because if the mind doesn't accord with the, uh, the way we practice, then he will make trouble. He will say, why? Why you have to follow the Tao? Why you must follow Lao Tzu? Why you must meditate two and a half hours? Why? Go out coffee shop, nicer. Mm. Cakes, coffee, yeah? Go out, do some other thing that's more fun, you know? Whatever that is pleasing to the physical demand. But if the mind understood, even though the mind is only a physical instrument, but if he doesn't understand what you are doing and why you're doing this, and he doesn't agree with it, then he will make a lot of trouble. He still does make trouble. Even Master say so many things, explaining thousands of times already. He still make trouble for us a lot, yeah? Why must go to here? Why stay in Mexico better? We are from divine. Yeah, everybody knows that. And we must go home sooner or later anyway. So might as well know where we are going in advance so we don't get lost in the jungle of <laughs> spiritual zigzag. Yeah. Spiritual has different level, you know, lower level and higher level. In the lower level, we have a lot of zigzag, astral world, for example. If we don't know where we're going, we get lost. Not lost by not finding a way to go, but lost in the temptations, lost in the beauty of the astral world. Because the astral world, even though it's the lowest level of the invisible kingdom, it is still very beautiful, you know, attractive, charming, bewitching, even even more so, because there's, there's magical powers there if you attain it. There are beautiful women, the astral women are beautiful, beautiful, yeah. So, for example, like that, and the houses there are nice and everything is comfortable, and you can go anywhere instantly also, you feel so free and powerful. If we do not know anything more than the astral world, we think that's it. That is the end of all journey. That is the highest dimension of spiritual attainment. And then we got stuck there. We don't think of anywhere else. We don't want to know anything else. We're too busy enjoying. Every day, so much thing to do, so much thing to 
uh, understand, to attain, to learn, to enjoy, oh, we don't even have time to think about anything else. Therefore, spiritual practitioners need to understand for the mind's sake. The soul understood everything. It's just the mind that binds everything into this physical body. Even in this physical world, you know that yourself. Look how terrible our world already. It's all like half hell in some part of the world. Some part of the world is true hell. And uh, even our life is comfortable, but how comfortable it is. Not really that comfortable, is it? The man is uh, plagued with desire, you know, planted inside him. <laughs> He's helpless. It's not like he wants anything like that. Yeah? The hormone is ragging inside all the men and women as well. Men are more. Trouble, trouble them. And they cannot even calm their mind to sit for a few minutes. For example, like that. Huh? Okay. Even okay, if he's married, still there's all the temptation around him. Yeah? <laughs> it's always the grass is greener <laughs> on the other side <laughs> of <laughs> the meadow. Now, it's not like he wants it to be this way. It's just programmed into his system just to make trouble for the poor guy. And for women, we have other struggle, yeah? Okay. Even if we are happily married and have everything we want, how much is everything, you know? And we have to pay for it. We have to work day and night sometimes, even during a time of sickness, bad weather, or dangerous situation, still have to work just to provide two, three meals and some clothes on the back for the family members. Okay, even if you have a lot of money, you know, like you're a successful businessman and you have lots of money and still you have all the problems, yeah? The employee's problem, the company, you have to take care of all the ins information you have to read to advance your company and all the report of the company, you know, all the up and down of the financial situation. Oh, there's no end to a responsible man. With big success, big power comes big responsibility. Sometimes he cannot sleep. Sometimes he's, he neglects his wife, his children. And therefore, sometimes his marriage is at stake or even broken. And, and with it, his heart also broken. And then maybe his empire also broken because he has no more energy, no more motivation to continue with his work. So this world is really half hell already, and it's hell in many places. People have no job, even if they want to work. People have no home, even though he just, they just want a very simple hut just to cover the sun and to protect from the rain. Even if you want to work, you don't have work in many places. And then even if you have work, the disaster coming, natural disaster, you know, or man-made, or all kind of things that is plaguing the man and the woman day and night and affecting the children. Sometimes they die without food, die without clothes. You can see all that on TV everywhere and on newspapers everywhere. You know, these are not positive news and nobody likes them. But at least 
thanks to the reporters and the journalists who went all the way to such areas to report to us this situation. Otherwise, we would not even know. And sometimes we know such situation we cannot even help because there's no transportation uh, means, there's no way we can go there, or there's visa problems, conflicts, a war, and everything, my God. You know, we can go on and on and on forever about what a world we live in. And I'm really amazed how we can live in this world even, you know what I mean? With all that heaping on us day in, day out. And we still can survive, you know? And we still have children and business, some of us. And now, even with all this trouble and uh, sorrow, yeah, and really disadvantages to be a human on this planet, for the rich and the poor alike, Still, we are so distracted with very little pleasure, if you can call that pleasure, in this world. Not to talk about the astral planet. Do you understand me? The astral planet is a paradise, if you compare to this world of ours. What I mean by pleasure? Look at the man, okay. He just have a little pleasure with a woman, and what happened? Maybe he have a kid. And that's it. Twenty, twenty-five years. Huh? Duty bound. A good father. Yeah? If you don't want to be a good father, you have to live with your conscience, heavy conscience, all your life long. Or you have to live with the you know, disdain of your family members and the girls' family members or societies. It's enough to live with your bad conscience already. Oh, it's terrible for you already. If he's not lucky, uh, his boy also go out and make another baby. <laughs> and he has to pour, pour all his money out or marry the guy first, okay? Okay, fine. And then establish, you know, some work for him or if his son is good, and find a good job, okay, fine. He's, maybe he's free, partially fine. But if the son is not working, then grandpa, you know, I have to pay, yeah, for the whole family. Now, two more extra, you know, and maybe they make more, three, four afterwards. You see what I mean? Mm. And if his boy is good, fine, but maybe sometimes they're not good, they have to go to jail and all that, and it broke the father's heart as well. It's not just about financial support and the work that he's doing for his son. Or a daughter even. Do you understand me? Okay. Yeah. If you have daughter, it's even more worry, you know. Don't let him degrade your family name. Okay, daughter, understand? Now, there is no end to what we have to uh, do in this world and still don't have much happiness in return. Sometimes you ask the man, say, yeah, I'm very happy. Ask a woman, no. <laughs> Same couple, you know? <laughs> so we have to ask the second opinion <laughs> from the second half. <laughs> Otherwise you don't know. Women are more sophisticated. We're also happy, you know, we're also easygoing, but 
we are more demanding. Not demanding in a bad way, but for us, to be happy is not just to have food, yeah? Not just to have grown up and established children. Not to just to have beautiful clothes to wear now and again, and not just to have a lot of money in the bank. We need affection, yeah. We need love from the men of our life, from the children, from friends. We need friends. We need affection a lot. Men easy. <laughs> I remember seeing the film called uh, Six Days, Seven Nights, you know, with uh, Harrison Ford. And uh, she was reporting about what makes woman happy. It's a woman magazine, I guess. So she was telling him what and what to make woman happy, for example. And uh, he said, well, for us it's easy. Man, it's easy. You just show up and we're happy. <laughs> yeah, the man is easier to, to please. He has his uh, home. He has a wife there, faithful to him. He has, you know, obedient children and a good job. That's all he wants. Not necessarily being famous or anything. No, no. It's easy to be satisfied. Hmm? Too easy, perhaps. <laughs> so sometimes women do not understand him because he looks so happy-go-lucky. And while we are boiling inside with things that we don't feel, that is up to our standard. But he's always happy. <laughs> Honey, I'm home. There's something to eat. That's it. He comes home from work. He has something to eat. And he has a television and a remote control. <laughs> Is that correct? Huh? Got it, yes. <laughs> and maybe a case of non-alcoholic beer does help. <laughs> does make his life more bright and colorful. <laughs> Before Master Ching Hai, he has a case of beer with alcohol in it. And now, okay, he forsake the alcohol to be a more noble person, but it helps if you have a case of non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> that will do too, yeah? as long as it looks like beer. Yeah. And he would be very happy, you know. There will be no one else more happy than this guy. <laughs> so it's very easy, you know. So I don't understand also why women are unhappy with the man that she married to. He's so cute, easy. Just a remote control and some beer, that's all he wants. <laughs> and then you can do what you want. <laughs> you are free from him even, you know. He doesn't even expect you to sit next to him and uh, exchange the remote control with him. It's better he control all by himself. <laughs> so you see, the woman, we need something more. We need something more than just TV, and we hate TV. Yeah. <laughs> Supreme Master TV, okay, but anything else? <laughs> because when you're watching TV, all your attention is on the screen, no matter what, what program. Good program, okay. Bad program, okay. So-so uh, program, okay, too. And repeated program, okay, too. <laughs> Keep watching it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it seems like the television had a glue on it. So if a man sit in front of it, his eyes just glue onto it <laughs> automatically. And women, we like to hold hands, you know, and go out walk in the garden together. 
sharing some jokes or story, renewing the relationship, talking, you know, sweet nothingness and all that stuff. So many women hate TV, you know, because when the man sits in front of TV, he's lost to the whole world, <laughs> not to talk about his wife or children. I'm just joking. Not all the men like that, right? They don't always uh, hook in front of the TV, right? So in the spiritual practice, we need also theory, you see, in order to tell our mind that this is what we should do, and this is logical, and this is good. Otherwise, the mind don't want to do it. He likes to go out and join, you know, and watch television, uh, coffee, and go out chatting with friends or football or whatever. Some men like to go out every day for drinking, yeah. And so left his wife alone, very frustrated and lonely. And in that case, also the family will not be good, you know, broke up later on. The man is happy, of course. <laughs> he always says, yeah, I'm happy. I have a very happy marriage. <laughs> Woman, no. <laughs> yeah, she needs more attention. She needs to tell him about how children are doing in school and how they're doing at home and what needs to be fixed at home, what more missing at home. Well, the man doesn't care too much. Some, some men don't care. Okay. So you see, even in this world, we, we have so much trouble and uh, not all that pleasant. And this world is not all that beautiful. It is beautiful for what we know, but not as beautiful compared to even the lowest level of the spiritual world. And we still are so attracted to here, to all the things going on in this world, so attracted to all kind of toys here that we sometimes hardly have time for meditation, hardly have time for contemplation. What to talk about up there? Here, if we want to go to coffee shop, for example, and you live a little bit farther from city, you have to drive your car, yeah? Go out even in the cold, the snow, the freezing weather to go get a cup of coffee somewhere just to sit with people, be socialized and talk with friends. In the astral world, to go somewhere, no need car, no need. You just can think and you go there. Or you have some other quicker instrument. You don't need car, you don't need to take so long. It depends on what level you are, of course. So how much more attraction and you live long. You seem to live forever up there. You don't age. You don't look old. You don't feel sick. You don't ever know sickness, for example, like that, yeah? Rarely. Even if you're sick, they use a simple method, then you heal very quick. So how would you have any heart to search for anything higher than that? Even though you know in the astral world, you would know that, okay, after a couple of hundred years or thousand years, you will die, yeah? But then you still don't want <laughs> to search for eternal life. Even here, we know maximum we live about hundred-something years. We still don't want to seek eternal life, not to talk about astral world. Therefore, the theory of practice is very important to reason with the mind, because a master who come into this world cannot use magical power, cannot use anything to attract people, except when he's already disciple. Then the master help inside. They're together. Once they already agree, yeah, to go together back home, then the master can do many things for him. As far as the law of karma 
concern, the master can uh, give and take, you know, uh, make and break also. It's more flexible with the disciples. But uh, otherwise, it's difficult. Hmm? So the master come here, it's not easy. Yeah, have to reason with the mind also. Yes, the soul understand the mind make trouble. Even after initiation, the mind still continue make trouble. Yeah, you just at home sometimes you sit only five minutes and then you think of many other things. Uh, think of yesterday and today things and even tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and one do this, one to do that. Oh, very difficult to settle down. Yeah, but here you feel more settled down. Yes. After you sit for a while, the mind gets tired and leaves you alone. <laughs> Truly. And you feel good. You feel comfortable, no? Yes. 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 You have to truly concentrate on your practice because you came from far away. I appreciate that. But I hope you do appreciate your effort. I appreciate your effort. Yes, that you came from far away and you put down everything and your job and sometimes have to arrange difficult situations to come here. I appreciate that. But you must appreciate yourself. You must know that this time here is precious for you. Just meditate, five names, sit, eat and go back, sit. When you come here, when you sit in meditation, you must know the time is precious. The time is just for you. 24 hours, you have only two or three hours, and even if you have it. Sometimes you don't have. And in, during that two, three hours, you think all kind of nonsense already. So you have only maybe five minutes, ten minutes, truly concentration. So when you come here, it's easier. Yeah? Try, really try to sit and meditate and concentrate. Whenever you forget to concentrate, you pull it back again. Yeah. Whenever your mind thinks something bad, negative, or not conducive to meditation, you pull it back again. That's how we get the habit going, you see? The good habit. Because we had bad habit all this life already. Not just this life, many lifetimes already. Collecting all the bad habit and in the DNA also when we were born. That's why in the Christian they say we have a sin from the ancestors, the DNA, the gene. Yeah, We're born with it. And then when we grow up, we collect more from the society, from the environment. Yeah, Mostly bad things. <laughs> so when we come here, try to train again. Yeah, For three, four days, one week, Yeah, try to train the mind to sit still. Not the body, the mind. But at least if your body sits still, maybe your mind slowly gets tired. He tries to move you and then he's tired. And then later on, you get used to it. And after a while, you settle down. That's why we have to sit a little longer in order to settle down. Even the same with sleeping. When you're in bed, you don't always immediately feel good, no? After a while, oh, comfortable. huh? Same with meditation. Now... I can only offer you some theory, either from the past master, present master, or from uh, my own experience. But you are the one who has to assimilate it, and digest it, and make use of it. You know, just like you eat food, assimilate it, digest it, and then it becomes energy for you to move around. Similarly, the spiritual food offered to you, you must digest it and use it yourself. Now we we go back to the serious Tao Te Ching. Hmm? 
This is one of the nice uh, stanzas about humility. Who knows his manhood's strength, yet still his female feebleness maintains. As through one channel flow the many drains, all come to him or beneath the sky. Thus he the constant excellence retains, the simple child again free from all stains. Who knows how white attracts, yet always keeps himself within black's shade. The pattern of humility display in view of all beneath the sky. He in the unchanging excellence array, endless return to man's first state has made. Who knows how glory shines? Yet love's disgrace, nor ever for it is pale. Behold his presence in a spacious veil, to which men come from all beneath the sky. The unchanging excellence completes its tale, the simple infant man in him we hail. This is about simplicity and humility. In the beginning, it says something like, okay, who knows his manhood strength, yet still his female feebleness maintain. As to one channel flow the many drains, all come to him, all beneath the sky. Thus he, the constant excellence, retains. The simple child again, free from all stains. Now let's check it out. A person who is very strong, for example, a man who knows that he has muscle and strength, but still he's gentle, like a feminine counterpart. He doesn't use his muscle to threaten others. This is just physically speaking. He doesn't display his powers, yeah, just to impress anyone. On the contrary, he is gentle, yes, and uh, sweet, as if he has some feminine quality in him. Actually, we all have some quality of female and male within us. In some, have more male quality dominates, then we call that a man. In some, more feminine quality dominates, we call her a woman. We were talking about a guy who has muscle and strength and the tendency of the primate. <laughs> and he still use not his strength, but his tenderness. Uh-huh. Then this man is like a great channel to which all the drain flow into it. So it's like this man will gather all the other beings under the sky. That means all beings will come to him. That is the status of the master. Not necessary that he became a master per se, like famous master or official, not necessary. He just attracts people. 
All beings, you know, maybe even animals come to him because they feel the love from that person, the tenderness, the true quality of human, be it a man or woman. Here they say man, but it's not necessary it's a man. Some women also very muscular and very strong, you know? It's not necessary physical, but it's just a symbol. For example, this man, he knows everything that there is to know because he already attained the Tao. He's already understood the function of the universe, the knowledge of the cosmos. But he's still retaining his humble self, you know? And so he doesn't look like a wise guy or anything. He probably looked like one of us, yes. But because of the quality inside, it just naturally attracts people coming to him or to her. So, Lao Tzu say that this kind of person will constantly retain the excellence of his nature all the time. He became the child again, free from all flaws, from all stains. Yes. This is a man, a woman who has attained the top, yes, who has been enlightened. So with this essay, Lao Tzu want to tell his disciples how to act, huh? how to behave, how to distinguish a person who has attained the top. He will look like this. Yes. Very strong, very powerful, very wise, yet very simple, very humble, very ordinary. So he advised his disciples first to carry out their life on the planet as long as they live here. Not just physical strength, but, you know, even spiritual strength. You know it, but you don't boast about it. Because the man, after he attained enlightenment, for him it's uh, simple like breathing. He will not feel like, oh, it's a great, I attained the Tao, I am now the Buddha. No, <laughs> he doesn't feel that way. She won't feel that way. It's very simple and natural to them anyway. But people will know it, and they all will flock to him, all beneath the sky, that means all beings because he's already one with all of them. So they feel no uh, distant from this kind of being. Not just human, but animals also. That's why he said, all beneath the sky. He doesn't say human will flock to him or her. He said, all beneath the sky will come to this person, because he has become a child again, simple, free, and pure. The next quality who knows how white attracts, but yet always keeps himself within the shade of black. The pattern of humility displayed in view of all beneath the sky. He, in the unchanging excellence, arrayed endless return to man's first state has made. It's similar again the humility of the man who attained the Tao. Even though he knows what kind of action would attract attention and praise and glory, but he stayed in the background as much as possible, of course. The white and the black, this is the Tao 
people always use white and black, soft and hard, just to symbolize the two opposite energy in this world, in the cosmos. White is very bright, and everybody can see it right away, even in the dark, yes. And black is very shady, and uh, people notice not too much. So people wear black to symbolize humility. It's not necessary that the wearer has humility, but it seems like tradition. <laughs> he's not talking about the clothes here, although it does help sometimes. In this world, people just look at outside appearance and judge the person inside. Nevertheless, the person who attained the Tao is very simple. That's what they mean, very simple. Even though he knows uh, what to do to make himself advance in the society, he doesn't do it. And if he does it, it's truly, genuinely, just for the sake of others. In his heart, this is not just about the action, eh? it's about the inner quality of the man, that in his heart he seeks no glory, that's what it is, no temporary glory of this illusionary world, because Let's face it, even if you're king of the whole world, how long it lasts? And what for? <laughs> the life of simplicity is really the bliss from heaven on this planet. I can guarantee you that. I tasted it, I loved it, and I still love it. It's just we cannot always keep it. The man who attained the Tao always display his humility instead of the ambition for glory. You can feel that, no matter what he does. Yes. So, Lao Tzu doesn't mean the outward appearance or the outward action only, but he means the truth inside of that man. And it would be best if his situation even allow him to be always humble and simple. For example, but if you are the king or if you are a high officials, of the government. When you go out in a function, you just have to dress good, like everybody else. But that doesn't mean that you're not humble. It depends on the situation. So suppose a person who is very enlightened, but he's already in the good governmental position, he can't just say, oh, wear sandal, I have flip-flop, because I have to be humble. I have to display my humility. And I don't wear tight because what for? I don't wear suit. I just wear a long cloth or something <laughs> because I'm humble. It's not necessary like that. What the Master meant here is the true humility inside, which is hard to attain and hard to see even because most of us judge outward appearance, and that's the problem with us. That's why we miss many opportunities. That's why we don't know what is good and what is not good. That's why we cannot recognize the saint from the profane, and that is a pity for us. But some of us know, and it's lucky for these people. This is what we have to know, the knowledge of discrimination between the highly developed being and the less developed being. That's very good for us. If we want to follow the Tao, if we want to be in the company of the saints and of the, the wise, then we must discern this. 
and we treat others with love and respect, no more. But we treat the saints differently. We have to adhere to them, we must be with them in order to nourish our spiritual practice. The supportive energy of the same mentality is very, very good for us. In any endeavor, not just spiritual practice. He in the unchanging excellence array, endless return to man's first state has made. Just similar to the stanza above, that man returned to his original purity, like a child again. Return to man's first state has made. The primordial state of manhood, of human, of being, is the original self. So he will return to that. Whoever always adhered to the uh, primordial excellence, the cosmos excellence, will retain the innocence of childhood all the time. Now we come to the third stanza. Who knows how glory shines, yet loves disgrace, nor ever, for it is pale. Behold his presence in a spacious veil, to which men come from all beneath the sky. The unchanging excellence completes its tale, the simple infant man in him we hail. The man, the woman, the being who knows that in this world power, glory does attract attention of people and does glorify him. But he prefers the humble, the ordinary life and not seeking to glorify himself personally or officially. <laughs> The one who knows the power of glory in this world, yet do not seek to find it. This is the man who has returned to the simple infant state of his mind. To which man come from all beneath the sky? This kind of man will attract all beings to his feet, even though he doesn't want it. The less glory he seek, the more glory he will gain. Not in a sense of a worldly gain, but in some different kind of glory. The glory of love, the glory of unconditional services. He will attain all that. All will flock to him because he has returned to his infant state of mind, all pure or innocent. So similarly, we, the practitioner, should try to adhere to this principle. In the beginning, we understand that as a principle only, as a theory, but later on, as our practice progress and our spiritual level rise up and our mind more purified, our understanding of the Tao expands, then we will just become that. We will naturally become an infant again. So there's no need <laughs> for us to even do anything to attain it.
In the beginning, we try to adhere to it, we understand it, and we try to practice it, and later on become our true nature. As we practice spiritually along the way, our understanding will be more and more expansive. And then this will become natural. We will become just humble, naturally humble, no ambition for glory, for fame, for gain in this world anymore. That will be a normal state of us. And that is when we attain the complete Tao. I like Tao Te Ching because it's very simple. It's one of the most sophisticated Bible of the world, the most famous, the most translated, the most loved, yet it's very simple, like in plain language, and everyone can understand it. At least the translation into English is simple. Even though the translators have tried very hard to to make it more poetic and more sophisticated, even then it's still as plain as my nose <laughs> that you can see. <laughs> All right, you retain this state of mind and meditate, okay?